Welcome to Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. Um, Father, at the end of last episode, give a teaser for everyone. You have to listen to last episode to get the foundation of this one. Uh, but Father, if you can pick up with where we left off here. Yeah, Joe, you were asking about uh, what you as a, a, a homeowner and, and a landlord do with people who aren't uh, paying. And now with uh, a, a deeper insight into the kind of uh, willingness behind it uh, or lack of willingness, the woundedness, that's a better way to say, uh, the woundedness behind it, you know, do you act differently? And uh, I, uh, I just want to acknowledge, first of all, and, and give you a lot of credit. I mean, you know, we're having this conversation. I just, I just think it's huge. And I, I really appreciate your willingness to, uh, to look more closely and even to you, it, it's easier on you if you just believe that everybody is kind of working the system and they're basically lazy, they're bad operators and they knew better and they chose to, uh, not pay their rent, uh, maybe because they chose not to work and nobody's getting a free ride. Uh, you don't get a free ride. They don't get a free ride. We move on with our life and, uh, you, you kick them out and, and, uh, and that, uh, I, am going to say up front, you know, that's not necessarily the wrong end point. Um, but you're actually opening yourself to the possibility and, you know, you're trusting me and trusting this book and, you know, you'll have to, to, uh, explore this on your own to be, uh, fully convinced, I'm sure. But anyway, the idea that, well, there are a lot of wounded people out there and there's a lot more to these stories than just laziness or unwillingness or whatever. And um, I, I really believe that. What do you do about that as a homeowner, as a landowner, as a, a landlord, as you know, uh, somebody in this space? Uh, again, it's a, it's a great question. I think, I, think you offer, I think you operate a fair business first of all. And, and you do. I know that. Uh, I know you well enough to know that you do what you say you're going to do. You provide what you say you're going to provide. You expect what you, what, what you ask of people. You make it clear up front. You charge a fair rate. You are, you know, you're, you're running a fair business. So I think that's foundational. You're not going to be another cause of trauma in their life in the sense that you, you lied, cheated, uh, manipulated, took advantage of them in one way or another. So I think that's foundational and that's, that's to your credit. I, I, I hate to guess how few people are like you <laughs> in that space. So I just want to acknowledge that first of all, um, what, what additionally, uh, can you do, you know, maybe, maybe there's a way that, uh, some of your tenants, uh, maybe you develop more of a relationship with them in some way. And uh, that's a possibility. I'm not even recommending that. I'm just observing possibilities that you have a little bit more relationship with them so that you're not just a, you know, a, a, an address that they mail their check to, but that you're a person. And, and then you may get to know what their circumstances are a little bit more. Uh, there may be some human bonds of trust that are developed. Uh, I don't even know that that's possible with, with all or even some maybe it is with some, you know, and that can be one place that your knowledge leads you to. And, and you can kind of let the Holy Spirit guide that process that this one or that one, you get to know a little bit more 
And so you know their story a little bit more. Uh, now, you may still be in the even more difficult position, potentially, that they need to leave uh, because they can't pay. And then just as you said, and I think that's exactly the right way to look at it, you can't sacrifice your employees and your family. You know, you can't sacrifice your employees and your family. Your employees and your family could choose to make a sacrifice that they're going to get a little less to provide for this person, uh, but you can't do that for them. Uh, so that's not really an option unless, you know, again, you could uh, get their uh, cooperation, I suppose. Um, but, but even knowing, you know, I, I think it's different to receive an eviction notice from a person uh, and, and that dignifies, then they understand also, you know, I think the, it's like, well, this is also my family and my employees that are, you know, uh, going to be homeless if I, if I don't operate a business in the right way. So all of that is messy. And like I said, I'm not even necessarily uh, recommending it, just observing that that's a possibility. But uh, another thing that, that you could potentially do is find a way to provide some other housing. That is to say, maybe support something like Catholic Charities, maybe work together with something like Catholic Charities. Maybe there are two of your units or something that you provide for people who are in a worse situation. And, and, and you, uh, yeah, find some way to, to support those needs, um, or support people who are doing those things in a way that you appreciate and, uh, either by making the contribution or again, by, by cooperating. I think that's another way to address the situation. Um, are there other ways that upfront you could evaluate where someone is and help them, you know, uh, to say like, I, I don't know, maybe that there's a, a cheaper place that they could find that there would be a better situation for them to be in. Uh, that's all going beyond what's your responsibility. That's, that's moving from justice to charity. And, uh, you know, you, you may, you know, I think you have pretty good intuitions about people too. And when you have a tenant and you say, I don't know where this is going to go. I mean, this guy has a tentative, you know, his job's not great or uh, he's not, doesn't have that much income, or this is a higher rent place than he can really afford. There's other red flags in the background. Maybe it would be better for him to be renting from my friend, from this thing down the town, downtown, working with Catholic charities. Anyway, there may be ways that you can kind of anticipate and help people up front not to make bad decisions. And, uh, why are you in the position of doing this? Well, kind of for the reason I said uh, either at the beginning of this episode or the end of the last one, you and I have received a lot. We have received the emotional affirmation, the support, the confidence. We've developed the skills and had good risks in trust that have borne good fruit because we've made good decisions. And we're in a place that we are able to think clearly. We're not like flooded with cortisol and constantly uh, weighed down by trauma. When we look at a person, look at a scene, we don't see an enemy. We don't see a disaster. Um, we have a lot, you know? And so if there are more ways that we can use what we have to help other people, I think that's what Christ wants us to do. You know, I think that's kind of the cascade of the gospel that those who have give what they have to those who have not. And, 
that's more than just, you know, I got 10 bucks and the other guy doesn't. There's a, there's an emotional, spiritual, personal, you know, thing that goes with that as well. And to that point, as, as you just mentioned, it's easy to look at a spreadsheet. This guy has more than that guy. Economically, it's very easy to keep that score because it's numbers. I'm accountant. It's numbers. But to the the other side of it is the thing that I've gathered from the, at least the beginnings of being in this book is that the imprint that comes upon your brain essentially makes you believe it is normal. And once you believe that this is normal, you kind of have the expectation that it's like this for everyone. And then I start thinking through, as I've mentioned before, I also like history. Um, And this also concept comes up in the Bible as well of it's always been this way. This is why there was people asking Jesus, are the children doomed by the sins of their parents? This is how it manifests itself in the human experience. Because the same people that have things happen to them bad when they're younger cause the same problems to the next generation. Um, That part has been evident. And partially, I think it's because everyone just expects themselves to be normal. You know, as we were saying in in a couple episodes ago, when the problem with Freud was he kept interviewing the same people and a narcissist will never show up because they believe that they are normal and perfect. Why would they ever show up? And there's a lot of diseases that are that way. So I bring this up to say that this is essentially a blind spot that I had never really considered or thought of before. Uh, just like I'm, I'm assuming there are people that are in situations of perpetual emotional distress that have just accepted this, that that is what the way life should be. And it gets me to, an inherent need, I guess, for society is to know what the baseline ought to be, knowing that each individual's version of normal is different. And in a way, just articulating this, this is the first time I've ever given credence to the expression I've heard a billion times in the last 10 minutes of his truth or her truth. Like my whole life was the truth is the truth. Two plus two is four. But I think I'm finally understanding what people are trying to say in this context, at least, that there's different truths in that. Because the word you used was attuned. We're all attuned to what we believe is in a relationship sphere. Now, I don't believe that that makes truth different in math or business or anything else. But as we've said many times on this show we're designed for relationships. That's the first and foremost responsibility of people. It's not to go make money. It's not to go make breakfast. It's to bake better relationships. So in a lot of ways, this has been very eye-opening in in trying to figure out what is really going on and, and what our rules are. And it's kind of a grand question I have why are the same people who went through this attracted to what will make it? And the answer has been because from the conversation I got, that's what their normal was and they aren't looking for something different. So this question is going to be very similar to the one we had two episodes ago. 
how do we take someone who is in a situation in life where they think they are doing fine and they are normal um, by their relative term of normal and bring them to essentially not bring them, but lead them, guide them, but definitely not force them to a level of better life and ultimately a way to end this cycle that very easily could be passed on for generations for millennia as proof that it was written about in the Bible kind of says that's what the human experience will do on autopilot. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I mentioned, uh, Father Greg Boyle and homeboy industries. It's a fantastic example. I mean, it's probably the most sterling example of how you help to insert a new dimension in these processes. You, you love people in a way that they have not been loved and don't even love themselves. So love is what transforms this. And uh, Father Greg just has countless, hundreds of pages of stories. And, and you can go to the Homeboy Industries webpage and they have uh, all these stories of uh, the, the kids, the people who have become part of this. And, uh, and, and again, he's in Gang Central. I mean, and he has people from opposite gangs working in the same t-shirt factory and feeling great about themselves. I mean, rival gangs, uh, you know, was having a baptism and the, and the godparents are from two rival gangs. I mean, that's the level of penetration and transformation he's been able to affect almost single-handedly. You know, he's gathered up a lot of support because he's done phenomenal things, but uh, those things make a big difference. You know, you give somebody work and it gives them dignity and then you help them show up for work and you give them a pass, you know, when they miss a day or two, you don't treat them like crap, which is where a lot of those jobs are. I mean, you end up with an abusive boss that just reinforces cycles, but you treat them in ways that they haven't been treated before and being loved, they start to actually believe they're lovable. They start to be attuned with, they start to see on your face, something that they never imagined was possible that they could actually be a gift, that somebody could be excited that they showed up, that somebody could actually care about them and weep over their loss, like never experiencing that. We've experienced that since the crib. And there are people that have never experienced that or certainly not to the degree that they need it by a long shot. And so you start doing that. You start believing in people and the goodness of people and the capacity for transformation. And, and it makes a, it makes an impact. And so that's an example. There's another guy out in Camden, also a Jesuit. I'm just trying to think of what his name was, but he basically founded a, a startup tech industry, again, utilizing these teenagers and giving them work and um, making them feel useful for something and helping them to benefit from like, wow, I made this. I did this thing. I actually accomplished this. Uh, I'm part of this. And then they start to feel great. And, but it requires somebody from the outside to believe in them. And then also you have to be able to buffer a certain amount of, uh, you know, people not showing up or people not uh, coming through or, you know, some insertions of uh, repeated trauma in the midst of that. And takes a, it takes a lot of patience and perseverance and takes a certain personality. You know, it's, uh, I don't think something that is for everyone, certainly, but that's where, uh, at least not reinforcing the negative structures and even contributing to and reinforcing the positive structures can be some ways to do this. Uh, you know, government programs at their best are aiming at this, but we all know the effects of government programs and the people that 
uh, whatever, just run those badly or even are corrupt in some way or another, or they don't reach the, the end goal. Um, there's some beautiful things in Pittsburgh. So I have a, a directee who works downtown and uh, helps to run the red door and uh, helps to do intake. I mean, takes care of homeless people. There are agencies that you can uh, get some money from and some services from, and you know nobody really wants to stay in a homeless shelter. So finding people a place to live in is important, and getting them, you know, at least giving them a fighting chance to get them on the right track is important. And caseworkers and individuals who take the time with them to make that happen are uh, are incredible people who are almost uh, without exception super underpaid and underappreciated. And so uh, more of those people uh, and more appreciation for what they're doing is also part of it. Um, the payoffs are not immediate, you know, so Homeboy Industries is actually pretty successful. He gets, uh, you know, they, they make, uh, I think, a good salary and, and they make their successful industry. People buy the things that they make and they have, uh, oh, I don't know, they do tattoo removal and graffiti removal. They have, uh, they've developed artists, you know, some of these inner city kids are incredible artists and they're able to sell some of that and it's kind of grown organically. But the, the payoff, you know, it requires a lot of money up front and the, and the payback is the return on investment is maybe a ways down the line. It's more human than monetary. And so, so those are all of the spaces that don't fit on paper and they don't balance the ledger. And, and they're not guaranteed results. And so it takes some discernment. It takes some care. It takes some perseverance. It takes people with their, their heart in the right place to, uh, to make those moves. I know another guy who founded um, Spirit Life out here in Indiana, Pennsylvania, because, uh, well, he had a, a vested interest. I think he had a son die of an overdose, something like that. And he really wanted to provide something that was spiritual as well as good addiction treatment. And so really put himself out there and uh, was a pretty successful lawyer, I think, something like that, and shifted his whole life and invested himself. And, you know, those are big risks. But anyway, that's the kind of thing that it's like, okay, well, I've got some capital to work with. Uh, that might be personal capital, uh, monetary capital, uh, you know, property capital. I've got something to work with. How can I put that in the service of something that's going to make a difference in these spaces? And can I start some process towards uh, bettering the lives of some of these people? And that's uh, even to ask the question, I think is huge. I, I just, I feel great that we're even having this conversation, uh, as I mentioned earlier, and I, I give you a lot of credit for that, just being uh, open to hear that perspective. and. And I, I hope I'm not, I hope I'm being uh, honest enough, real enough about it. And that like, this is messy, difficult and painful, but these are human beings mm -hmm. and they're worth it. Uh, you know, my, my own contribution is at the space of personal interactions. I mean, just developing relationships with people that spiritually they can be connected and have somebody believe in them. And, uh, and I don't work with the, with the street people. I don't work with certain populations just because that's not, they're sort of not in my space. Um, but I work with some pretty wounded people that uh, I've been able to help significantly, I think. And so, and that's very gratifying. But yeah, more, more of that. We can, uh, we can do better. Yeah. And, and, you know, as I said in the last episode, it, it made sense. Like when there's a direct, you went to war, something very, you were in a battle and it was a one-time event. 
Um, but the, uh, the, I, I, the, the perplexing part, and I guess the part that I never realized was how prevalent the day-to-day element of this is, is everywhere. And, and, you know, it's, it, it's prevalent throughout. And, um, that, that's something I, I, I never realized. And, you know, it's, um, it's certainly something to to think about that yeah it, it takes a long time to 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 fix something that that's ingrained it's just the way it is you know anyone try to ever pull out a weed out of a garden it just keeps coming back and i assume that this is the brain's version of the same problem in terms of a, just a metaphor there so um so we hope that this episode has helped people i know that there's a lot of people out there who have dealt with this type of situation and you know we hope that you share us and and share it with them. You know, hopefully we can help people in a, a lot of different ways out there. So we thank everyone for listening and we will be with you next week.